There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to Millennial Love, the independent lifestyle desk's weekly podcast on love, dating and relationships. Hosted by me, Olivia Petter, lifestyle writer. And me, Rachel Hosey, assistant lifestyle editor. Dating today is a world away from what it was even just 10 years ago. With dating apps, millennials are finding it harder to meet people than ever before. And even when we do, who's to say we won't be ghosted, breadcrumbed or zombied? So that's why we decided to launch Millennial Love as two long-time singletons in their 20s, talking candidly about all of the things everyone is doing but not always willing to admit. Today we're delighted to welcome the authors of one of the hottest books of the summer, Slay in Your Lane, Elizabeth Uvebenene and Yomi Adegoke. Welcome, guys. Hi. Hi. How are you doing? Good, thanks. Yeah. How are you guys? We're Pretty great. Good. We're so excited to have you here because we loved your book. Oh, thank, thank you. you. And obviously what we loved most was the chapter about dating, which we're going to get into. <laughs> but before we do, perhaps would you both be able to tell the listeners a little bit about who you are, your backgrounds, and, you know, what the book's about, why you decided to write it? Uh, my name's Elizabeth Uvebenene, as I've already been introduced as, um, <laughs> but... Um, but yeah, um, I am a marketing manager. Um, I'm a co-author of Slaying Your Lane. Um, and Slaying Your Lane is an inspirational guide to life. And what we've done is interview some of the most trailblazing black British women and ask them what it means to be, I guess, black British and tackle different areas, um, black black and female, um, and tackle different areas from education to dating, um, to representation, um, to health, and essentially how they slayed their lanes, essentially. I love it. I love the name Thanks. so much. So good. <laughs> What about um, you, Yomi? Um, my name's Yomi Adegoke, as I've already been introduced as <laughs> as well. Um, and I'm a journalist, currently a senior writer at The Pool, and um, co-author of my bio is like exactly like <laughs> Elizabeth. But um, yeah, co-author of Slaying Your Lane, best friend to Elizabeth. And, oh, um, <laughs> and um, yeah, like just to sort of add on to what Elizabeth was saying that like, yeah, is it, as we say, like we don't really like the term like self-help book because there's only like limitations yeah. in terms of like when you're dealing with like institutional racism and like sexism, you can't like slay your way out of it. But we say a lot about like, you know, coming to like a battle prepared and that's what we've kind of tried to do by arming black British women with this kind of Bible and like guide to just kind of show them what they can mm. do like, yeah, within certain situations and like dating, as you mentioned, like is a massive sort of, I suppose, sort of sticking point for a lot of yeah. black women, not just in Britain, but I guess, yeah, every, everyone's got their own specific like weird things. But yeah, like, so that was interesting to do. So when sure. you were writing it, were you, you know, thinking about you were writing this for fellow black women, right? But have you found, how has the reaction been to the book? Because like Livy and I both absolutely loved it, didn't we? And I know oh, you guys have been everywhere on the summer. You've been in all the <laughs> magazines, on the podcasts, like, like the, has the reaction been bigger than you expected? Definitely. Um, yeah. Yeah. Summer of Slay. Yeah. <laughs> Slaying your own season. Yeah. It has been. 100%. And it's interesting because it came about because um, Elizabeth literally just called me one day and was like, 
oh, you know, I really want to like, you know, like reading loads of different like self-help books and stuff. And was like, I really wish there was something that spoke to me specifically. So like, we always kind of say that like, it was initially like, cause she asked me to write it because I'm a journalist. So mm. she was like, oh, would you like to write this book? Cause she knew I wanted to write a book one day. And th- so it was very like a very specific demographic initially of like, one person which was like Elizabeth and then it was like oh no let's do it together and then obviously it became about like black women and like more specifically black British women so we very much knew that there'd be a reaction from like our own immediate community but I think what's been really sort of amazing is to see how many other people that aren't necessarily black female or or immediately represented within like you know the title black girl bible but Mm. they feel like it's resonated with them or um, if they don't necessarily relate to it, they feel like they've learned from it, which to be yeah. honest, I just don't think we, we hoped, but we didn't necessitily expect, definitely. It's been a, a whirlwind for sure. It's amazing. Like, <laughs> Thank huge you. Thank it's you. Fantastic. Um, before we fully get into our main discussion though, let's have a brief dating debrief, shall we? Dating debrief, okay. What's your news, Livy? Give my us dating, an update. My dating debrief is brief. In that I am dating, um, as I mentioned in my last episode, um, and it's going well. And I'm just gonna, keeping pretty stum. I'm keeping I can tell <laughs> because okay. he can mess up, and yeah. then right. we're gonna have to come back next week <laughs> exactly. to say here's yeah. why he and messed also, up. I'm just always very conscious of the fact that the boys that I date sometimes listen to this podcast <laughs> and sometimes get in touch and say why did you say this why didn't you say that why didn't you talk about me you should talk about me oh it's so funny so it's quite a weird situation to be in um what i will say is that i mentioned last week and probably the week before actually about this french guy that i <laughs> hooked up with when i was in france two weeks ago and <laughs> it was it's just so funny because i didn't really know the guy at all and i've <laughs> since followed him on instagram and just come to realize how far from my type he is <laughs> he's very much like posting the topless selfies and writing captions like good vibes only and <laughs> oh just so not my thing that is so not your thing at all is but it? i'm really enjoying it <laughs> i might follow him because he was fit yeah <laughs> 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 what about you, Rachel? Um, oh, well, I made the error in last week's episode. We did last week's episode on crushes, and I said I had three crushes. And then James, last week's guest, was like, "Well, now you need to give an update on your crushes next week." So, obviously, I have to now, don't I? <laughs> um, to be honest with you, though, there's not much to update. I have had interactions with two of the three crushes. Um, <laughs> They were positive interactions, but there has not been a great deal of progress made. Um, there's there's been slight progress, but again, you never know who's going to listen to this podcast. I'm so loving this vague like yeah. thing going on. You've got to. Because to. Well, I don't know. I feel like a lot of the times on the podcast we are kind of saying stuff, but it's like slightly veiled like secret messages the thing is it's only veiled when it's currently going on yeah if it's then happened, afterwards we'll spill all the yeah beans. we're so open <laughs> if we're in a current situation i feel like we just need to tread carefully yeah. when these boys that i'm crushing on all reject me or tell me they're married with three kids or gay or whatever it might be then i'll reveal everything about them um so yeah look forward to that guys but essentially i don't have much to update what i will say is that i moved flats at the weekend which is terribly exciting i have to say there's something about about going to a new area that you know I've just gone from South London to North London and I'm like Ooh. <laughs> a new pool of boys right. your <laughs> Tinder location like updates it's like, exactly. <laughs> even though like, it's yeah. not going to make any difference <laughs> at all is it I'm like mm, maybe I'll meet the one now that I'm in North <laughs> London like, I don't think it's going to make that much difference but that's that 
Okay, let's do a bio of the week. This is a bio from a man slash boy. I don't know how old he is, I don't know what you want to call it. Called Jack. And his bio reads, Let's date a few times, lose contact, and then view each other's Instagram stories until we eventually die. Oh my god. <laughs> it kind of made me laugh, so I was like, this is so depressing. But accurate. Very accurate. It's funny yeah, because it's I think I have like five boys that look at my Instagram stories. <laughs> right? Same. Like daily that Same. I've probably matched on Tinder, mm-hmm. met a party that we don't <laughs> currently speak 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 at the moment. Yeah. So Do they follow you or do they just view your stories? They follow yeah. and okay. then they view and then when the book stuff came out it was a lot of congratulations. Yeah. And That's nice. yeah, so I've got people That's that I've spoken to on dating apps that don't actually follow me but view my Instagram stories because I recognise their name. I find that really weird. Oh, yeah, You're going to look at my story. Why don't you follow me? You've got to have what? a fake account. That's what I have. Yeah, you just We were talking about <laughs> this the other day. We need fake accounts yeah. to stalk the boys we fancy. Yeah, or we just stalk boys for each other. Yeah, we've done <laughs> that before. But that's quite obvious out. because we do the podcast I together. Know. <laughs> um, do you know what's quite interesting? One of my best friends that I was on holiday with a few weeks ago, She, we were doing some um, Tinder swiping because we were abroad and we were like, lol. And she... She was like, I can't be bothered to actually message any of these boys on Tinder or whatever. So I'm just going to... Or, like, even do the swiping. She was like, I can't be bothered to swipe. So I'm going to put my Instagram handle in my bio. And her approach was then the boys will just message her on Instagram if they're interested in her. And then she'll be like, yes, no, yes, no, yes, no. (laughs) How did it it work out for her? Yeah, but the only ones who messaged her, I think she was a bit like, yeah. The super desperate ones that actually took the time. Exactly, but she was like, well, I've got some new Instagram followers. (laughs) So, you know, it's not all all bad. (laughs) Exactly. Um, Right, so guys, the main thing we're going to talk about today is race and dating the role of race and dating and Livy you actually wrote an article about this last week yeah didn't you? so I wrote an article specifically based on dating apps um mainly because uh I actually follow so I follow this account called Tories of Bumble which we've mentioned on the podcast before the Instagram it, account yeah Instagram account and it was inspired by that because they got asked you know what's the worst thing you've ever seen mm. on the um on the account and they they posted um, on their Instagram stories a screenshot of someone's bio and in the bio it said um, always like to be the big spoon uh, six foot three no African girls and he was like this is the obviously not implying that you know she didn't post it on Tories of Fumble because obviously you can't then imply that Tories are racist but she was just using it as an example to see Mm. this is all the horrible stuff that people put on their profiles and it really shocked me I've never come across a profile like that before so then I started looking into it and I looked at this um, study that OkCupid okay did in 2014, which you guys cite in the book, which basically revealed that black men are 16% more likely to contact a non-black woman than a black woman online in the UK. And it also found that black women are the least liked ethnic group mm. on dating sites. Um, Demographic, really. Yeah, yeah. It's women yeah. and black. Yeah. So um, it was just it was just really shocking. I spoke to a couple of people about it. I spoke to a blogger called Stephanie Yaboa about it. She told me she'd been sent some horrific comments by people mm. on dating apps, mostly of like a fetishizing nature. Things like, oh, my dominant fat black queen and saying God. that they wanted a taste of jungle fever. And I just can't believe that this kind mm. of dialogue goes on in 2018 at all. But it's just really shocking. Um, so you guys write so brilliantly about this in your book and where you think this comes from. So I guess, I guess, could you just tell us a bit about what 
your experiences are of online dating and how you've found it and where do you think this comes from? Um, mm. I think it's interesting because it's like, I think uh, funny enough in the same year that the OK Cupid um, study came out, 2014, um, I wrote a piece a while back, I think it was for the debrief and it was about um, Tinder and it was like literally things that black girls have said, no, sorry, what was it? Things that you only know if you're a black girl on Tinder, essentially. And right. I remember that I wasn't a black girl on Tinder, essentially, and haven't been until very recently. And I think that's probably something that Elizabeth probably agree with. Because I don't, I don't know what it is, but I think, I, I don't want to generalise, but I know that it wasn't until quite recently that black women, and I'd say potentially the black community, started sort of taking into like things like online dating and like using like Tinder and like Bumble and stuff. Because mm. I wouldn't necessarily say it was like a stigma thing, but I think it just wasn't something we necessarily used. So a lot of the time when I was having to like sort of talk about like experiences and things um, that had happened like on Tinder and stuff and like um, on dating sites, I'd have to ask my friends because mm. even now I'd say to this day, it's, I, uh, it's, it's something that I've always experienced through others, if that makes sense. And like anecdotally, and, and I think more of the kind of like things that I've, if there's anything that I've ever experienced has been more like face-to-face -face things. So as I mentioned in the book, somebody saying to me, a black guy saying to me, whilst I was at university, like, oh, you're the fittest black girl in the club. And I was like, thanks, I'm the only black girl in the club though. I'm not really sure. <laughs> like, I was probably when, standing next to you. So that was, that's oh, awkward. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, was like, nah. As well, usual, you? <laughs> wherever there's Yomi, there's, there's right? me, so. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. and, and things like that, like, um, you know, Elizabeth, having a black man like say to her like oh like don't give me the black girl chat and stuff mm. and and to be of course it's not just with black guys there's things that you know like white men have said and like um that people of other races have said but in terms of like online dating and in terms of like tinder and like apps honestly i can't really say that i've personally experienced yeah. anything that would it's it's funny because even when i was writing the chapter i was really having to dig deep like was anybody there been like this kind of like weird racist like do you know what I mean like conversations I'm having on Tinder but then I feel like I guess maybe because I don't really use it and even like up recently when I like sort of became newly single I was like even then I'm still quite hesitant to use it maybe because of the things that I've heard other people mm. have gone through yeah. I mean I've heard really bad stuff I've heard people being like oh you know I've always wanted to taste chocolate as you you know kind of like said a minute ago and like things like people being massively like fetishizing but it's not something i can honestly say i've personally experienced it's more been that and i t and honestly i'd say even in my own life like the, the extent of what i've experienced honestly is in the book because most of the time it's like i haven't i honestly haven't sort of interpersonally experienced yeah. stuff that's that that i'd honestly say is like out and out racist in terms of dating um so you've been in a relationship for a long time yeah yeah exactly i used to really look at tinder and be like oh man this uh, believe it or not like this is when it first came out but i was like oh wow this sounds so fun like you're just you've got this phone and it's just like filled with these hot sexy singletons and then it's like i was in a relationship for two and a half years and then once i was like spat back out the other side of it and was like right yeah i get to finally experience tinder it was like i'd heard all this stuff like over two and a half years of like how you know like if you're a black woman like a it's like really hard to find matches b matches of quality c like you might be like racially abused or you know complimented in this weird racist way so i think i kind of went into it feeling a bit like hesitant anyway mm. and then it's meant that like i know that like i know elizabeth will agree like we're both quite 
um left heavy in terms yeah. of swiping <laughs> like so oh, yeah, yeah. yeah so it's, it's really difficult right so even when it comes to like you know there are a lot of unread messages and there's yeah. a lot of like even now we're both kind of sitting here being like oh you know like we're always kind of like oh maybe we should like re-download tinder or, like let's have a look at it but then it's like neither of us ever actually do it because mm. we're both like it is a bit of a cesspit so we're like and then it's like <laughs> bumble yeah. and it's kind of like a lesser cesspit but still yeah. assess bit of sorts so we're kind of like i think there's that added kind of like um i think most women are kind of like dubious of those sites anyway but then as a black woman it's like you feel like i suppose even more cautious of using them because the stories are very well known about how people can talk to you on there so yeah honestly all i can say is that like a lot of the things i've heard have been secondhand and then like statistical mm. for me anyway yeah it's interesting what about you elizabeth i I yeah, retreat everything Yomi said. Um, I was in a relationship for a long time, and then when we broke up, it was very much like, oh, let's get on Tinder because it was this like you know whole new world. Um, but I'm definitely like a left heavily like swipe person, yeah. so I don't necessarily like Yomi said. A lot of my kind of interactions in terms of it being haven't necessarily been racialized that, mm. that turned into being bad. But I think it's because as well I'm quite tactical, and when I do swipe right in the time of like in the type for the type of black black or white guy. So I think I look, if I really think someone's good looking, then I go to their profile and then I kind of like sum up just by, by their yeah. bios and I guess stereotypes and how I feel like they're gonna, they are. And then I make a decision based on that. Mm. But I do take a lot longer to get to a point where I do swipe right. Yeah. And I think when the kind of the white guys that I've swiped, they haven't said anything to me that that's been you know very like mm. rude mm. or anything like that and you, so with the black guy someone who looks like they're gonna be a decent human yeah, yeah. A but that's hard as well yeah, it's a bit on their instagram exactly like, do 100%. a quick linkedin search yeah. like yeah gotta give them a bit of a stalk first yeah for sure. so i think yeah anecdotes hey i'm ryan reynolds recently i asked mint mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation they said yes and then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Do you guys think there's a problem with this stereotype of black women and like relationships or dating type thing? Um, as in, I do, do we think that like, a stereotype exists? Like, yeah. I, yeah, like you would say, uh, there was this quote in, in your book that I wrote down because it was really interesting. Uh, you said, the idea of black women being undeserving of love begins with the notion that beauty is what makes women deserving of love and that black women cannot be beautiful. Yeah. Mm. Oh, okay, cool. So yeah, I think absolutely like, I don't know if either of you guys watched that um, documentary is Love Racist on Channel 4. Yeah. And it's like, I think I literally bring it up like, Elizabeth, (laughs) I I bring it up like every single time like we discuss the dating (laughs) chapter because it's just to me just so illustrative of what the issue is, um, which was, it was basically like 
you guys remember there was that like um what's the word they did like this experiment that's the word I was thinking, what's the thing when you're like <laughs> yeah <laughs> when you test thing? things out yeah and um, they did an experiment which was kind of trying to like see what people's preferences were and then it was say and it was like the long and short of it was that every single person um that's white that's black that's asian mixed race regardless like had a preference towards whiteness mm. and um they were like even if you essentially are somebody that you know it was just so interesting it was like even if you are somebody that isn't white essentially you still have a preference towards whiteness and that's regardless of gender and I was like that's really interesting and I think that illustrates like at least in part what the issue is which is that whiteness and especially when we talk about like beauty and stuff and desirability is considered the like sort of ultimate Mm. but then I think the reason it's really important to talk about it in terms of black women specifically is because whilst you know that preference for whiteness exists with women as well and women tend to of all races at least according to that documentary still have a preference towards whiteness when we talk about desirability attractiveness isn't always the kind of primary thing that attracts women to men um there's things like height there's things like money like let's be real like you know there's things like education it's a bit more mix a bit a bit more of a mixed bag in terms of what we are looking for and what we find attractive in a man whereas with women i would say that like i'm not even i would say like patriarchy would say that it's like the number one thing that tends to be like looked at when we're calling a woman attractive or saying whether she's desirable is what she looks like Mm -hmm. and if we've got a society which says that like whiteness is what makes someone attractive whilst men might have and that's black men as well whilst men might have the kind of like um like the sort of edge being able to be like okay i'm not the best looking guy like but i've got money look at every single like musician ever that's like (laughs) you know what i mean got like this beautiful woman hanging off his arm and he's like absolutely like awful to look at um it's like men might have that edge of like oh i'm i'm really smart i'm really educated i'm really rich i'm really tall and they've got i'm really funny like that whole we, like, I don't know if women can laugh men into bed. I don't know if that's a very thing. few women. Very, very few. few women. Yeah, women like, are more attracted to like humor. Exactly, yeah. and just a various like variety of things. Whereas like with women, it's like so heavily geared towards looks. And yeah. um, a brilliant um, writer um, and feminist, Patricia Hill Collins, was talking about how black women, for whiteness to be considered like attractive, it had to be like juxtaposed against like blackness. So like you know for a straight hair to be nice it's like you have the other which is like afros and it's like oh that's unattractive and it's like you know big noses juxtaposed against skinny noses so that becomes unattractive kind of thing so what it is i think it's like black women just kind of really bear the brunt in terms of dating because it's like for whiteness to have that thing where everybody kind of looks at it and sees it as like you know um preferential you need the other thing that kind of is like the polar opposite Mm. which means that it's like really not attractive Mm. and i think whilst that's something that affects black and black men and women black men don't have that you know their value isn't entirely hinged on looks especially not in dating so it's like when you look at like um like famous like let's say rappers and like um who obviously like generally especially in america like tend to date black women when you still look at the black women they date they do tend to be as close looking to white women as feasibly possible without them being white mm-hmm. if that makes sense yeah, so yeah i think that's so yeah the stereotypes are real and they're and it just leaves like black women and especially i'm always trying to make this distinction because it's really important but especially dark-skinned black women and black women that 
for absolute lack of better phrase, look blacker at the bottom of the rung. And I think that's something that me and Elizabeth find really important to talk about that, you know, it doesn't just become this thing where we're like, we're all in the same boat. We, we're all, we're definitely all in the same boat, but it's like we're all at different levels of, like different seating plans. Yeah. So it's like yeah. the dark skin girls are like right at the bit where it's sink, like the, it's, we're already <laughs> underwater. Like, do you know what I mean? And it's like, and then there's girl, like, and then the lighter you are and the more, the more your proximity to whiteness is, the you're still in that boat, but you're kind of in the bit that hasn't really been submerged yet. You're kind of slowly sinking, but like everyone else is like drowning already. <laughs> like yeah. that's a very long, like what's the word, metaphor. But yeah, um, so yeah, I think, it's a real stereotype and it affects everybody, but just to differing degrees. And I think dark-skinned black women are absolutely the come off worse from it. You're right. You see it all the time in magazines as well with like Lupita Nyong'o on that Grazia cover. She uh, she had her hair shaved yeah. off in the in the cover, but it was photoshopped. And you see like black models be whitewashed on covers of magazines mm, and editorials yeah. all the time. Even like love interests as well. Like I think that's why we loved. Black so Panther true. so much mm. as like black women and as one we said dark skin black women because not only did um what's his name T'Challa choose yeah. a a um a black woman um but a she was a dark skin black woman um with essentially did she have like her, her little afro yeah, she had Bantu yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> so I think that was definitely seen for the I can't remember the last the first I can't remember like how many times that I've seen that like in a mainstream thing mm. um as Yomi said when you do see black couples as love interest especially we ask a lot of the content that we do consume as um, black women and black people is african-american focused there is he colorism is at play and it's at the center of that um and it's hard to have these discussions without making black women sound as victims and i was like yeah. and it's perpetual it's it's really hard because i know you want me found it so hard writing that specific part around like um you know black women being swiped the least and all of those sort of things and the reasons and exploring it because like it's it can be a little bit demoralizing because yeah, you just want to find love yeah like and whatever kind of you know vessel it comes in and and all that sort of stuff you just essentially want to find someone who actually rates who you are mm -hmm. yeah thinks you're essentially good looking and buff but also just like your personality yeah. and like the before we get there as black women we actually have so many steps and hurdles to think about we're thinking about oh is he just gonna like me because i'm a if when you think about with a black man you're thinking oh what type of what type of does he like black girls if he if, if he's a successful black man you're thinking that you know i used to work in canary wolf and i'd be walking like you know my lunch break and everyone's like oh canary wolf has got good looking guys and like good looking black guys successful yeah they do they're, yeah there's definitely that that feel but then you're walking you're walking around and you're thinking oh this, does this successful black man like black women and that's a, that's something that you think about because you're thinking oh what type of university has he gone to but you're thinking oh is it, like does he have a proximity to dating only white mm. women and you question those things and um even when it comes to white guys and you're thinking oh does he only like me because you know there's a little thing going on or there's so many things you question yeah. and mm. like it is a mindful but it's hard to have these conversations without making mm. black women because we're not victims and i think mm. that's that's the kind of like message and it's hard and it's e and it's important for us to kind of have these discussions mm. but also make sure that we just don't leave it as like oh yeah so everything's shit for you and that's it and yeah. everyone thinks you're ugly and you're never gonna find love the end bye you wrote the chapter so well though i also like that you pointed out a really interesting point that 
in the Harry Potter films, Lavender Brown yeah. is played by is it two different black actors. Two different until, black actresses, yeah. Until it gets to the film where she is a love interest yeah. for Ron and they replace her with a white actor. Yeah. I didn't know that. Most yeah. people didn't, yeah. And That's I think shocking. it's why a lot of people are kind of with JK Rowling, I mean I love Harry Potter so much, but it's like with her whole kind of like renewed like interest in diversity, a lot of people are like quite skeptical of it because yeah. obviously when that happened, it was it was there was an outcry. It was a really small outcry because it's like it was in the uh, like Twitter wasn't the force it is now and yeah. it was from very, very specific demographic that didn't have the kind of um, power that we do now so it was like a lot of like black British people and, and African Americans actually were like vocally really upset about it but nowadays if that happened oh my god it'd be like absolutely the, f- the film wouldn't even come out like it would literally yeah. be curtains yeah, like so but right. it's like back then people did make it known to her and yeah. like nothing um, happened with it but I think for me because the girl one of the actresses um, was my sister's friend's little sister so it was really close to me I remember she was Nigerian and I was kind of like and I was reading the books alongside like the um alongside the film and I remember being like oh my god I can't wait to see who this black girl is that they're gonna cast and then like because I was like I knew that um Ed that's the guy his sister wasn't coming back so I was like oh great like can't wait to see what girl they do put and then it was just like oh okay this isn't what this isn't quite how, <laughs> do you know what I mean? I yeah. imagined her to look. Um, yeah, and I think it just sends quite a clear message of what, as Elizabeth was talking about, what a love interest looks yeah. like, essentially. Yeah, Yeah, I think you're right. I think it's such a shame. I think it's also um, the whole concept of, like, preferences, like what you were just saying about, oh, he's a nice guy, but does he like black girls or whatever, is so interesting because I wonder how much of people's, you know, preferences for who they swipe on, who they're interested in, who they fancy is subconscious and how much of it is conscious. Like, you know, I think a lot of people will say, like, I fancy people of all different races. But then maybe if what they're, what, when it actually comes down to it, maybe if they are only going for white people or a particular race, like, you know, how how much of that is, like, some sort of weird ingrained thing and how much of it is problematic. conscious? Yeah, I think all of it's problematic. Yeah. I think all of our preferences yeah, is right. problematic. I like tall guys, and all the guys that I've seen in the past, or oh, oh, tall. Mm. I'm like five foot one. There is no reason <laughs> that I should be dating tall guys taller than five five five. Really, I should leave that to the tall girls. But yes, I have this thing <laughs> <laughs> where I just have this thing where it's kind of like, oh, they have to be tall, and that's problematic. Like not because they're a shortage but of you're tall. Allowed to, like, but it's because I associate I think it's what I associate with someone being tall and I think that's where it's problematic deep down strong man like you know all of those things like the qualities of just a black oh that's a real man all those little those things that I've told myself or I've been able to yeah exactly and when it comes to black women those preferences and aren't formed in a vacuum 100% and I think I think it's good that like Elizabeth's even in a position where, you know, it's not like she's going to stop dating tall guys. <laughs> she, no. She's not doing that any minute. <laughs> hit me up, no hit me up. way. Like, she's just saying that. Like, letting, pe- letting people know that, like, it's something that, oh, sorry, that she's, like, aware of. And I think that, like, it is something that, like, I agree with Elizabeth that, like, it's very rare that a preference isn't problematic. And I think, again, that was another bit that I found difficult to write because I was trying to say that, like, I'm not trying to get every man out there now to, like, be like right who is the d- 
darkest black woman I can find with like the curliest, like the kinkiest afro, I'm gonna go marry her. Like that's literally not the point of the chapter is at all. It was just about saying that like, as Elizabeth talking about like some kind of trying to work out why you have a preference rather than acting that it's something like, it's something that we're born with. Yeah. Because when your preferences, I think it's interesting that you were sort of saying that, you know, like do people, are pe- most people may kind of say, oh, I like people or races, but I'd say a lot, at least within the black community, a lot of people are quite vocal about, you know, genuinely not preferring like black like women with their own communities they're quite really? vocal about it especially when it comes to things like um, skin tone because I think skin colorism isn't something that's taken seriously it's only taken seriously by those that are affected by it who which are primarily dark-skinned black women mm. as, as opposed to men you'll hear loads of men being like oh I like lighties that's why the term exists like it's that kind of yeah. kind of weird term of endearment but also kind of insulting oh, term yeah. against like light-skinned women but you'll get loads of come on Elizabeth no like you'll get loads of men vocally being like I like light skinned women and I've always kind of compared it to like how bizarre would it be if like white guys were like I like pale girls or I like more tanned women it's very specific I thought this when on Love Island this year I don't know if you guys saw it a couple of the girls when they were like they were like what's your type and then the girls were like mixed race (laughs) I was like like, like, what does that what? even mean? Because mixed race genuinely—it doesn't mean white and black. You could be. It could be yeah. anything. But you know, <laughs> in what way anything. she meant exactly. it? Exactly. You know exactly what image she was conjuring because it's like you get mixed race people, half white, half black, that look like Barack Obama. Then you get—I've got a friend that's mixed race who's literally white passing. Like you'd never guess that yeah. she was well, mixed like, at all. You know, Meghan Markle and her character yeah. in suits. People were kind of—I remember reading there was a thing that said people were outraged when. Um, you know, her father was, yeah, was cast in the as series black, yeah, black because she could pass as Hispanic, yeah, she was mixed, absolutely. Race. She's essentially like, if not white passing, definitely ethnically ambiguous. Mm. And I think that's the th- that's why we're like very much like nobody's telling you that like you can't have preferences, it's far too late, especially for like our generation where we're like complete adults that like emerge in the dating world. But what we want is to people to understand where they come from because if not, and if we don't question them, it it is bizarre that people that are black say things like i prefer white women if you're like i am open to i like white women i'm open to dating white women that's absolutely fine in the same way that like i like white guys i date white guys but i could never have the confidence to kind of say i prefer them because then i'm like what does that i have to really understand why because preferences don't form in a vacuum and i know that i am not so subtly being sent loads of messages that say that white is essentially right I, I i think that's the thing is that when we talk about like you know preference people are kind of like well why are you telling people not to date interracially and it's like of course that's obviously not what we're saying because we date interracially yeah. but it's important to you know understand why you why you would prefer yeah. especially when it's like when you look the other way around it's like very rare statistically speaking for white people to be like i prefer something other than another white person i mean statistically it's like i can't remember the actual number it's in the book somewhere like in those million pages <laughs> but it's like statistically speaking it's very it's much rarer for white people to be like i prefer someone that isn't white but then even if a white person was like as the girls were in love island oh, i prefer mixed race it's i it's like it it gets my back up a little bit because i just want to know why like it's mm. nothing wrong with finding somebody attractive it's like trying to understand where that stems from if that makes sense is it because you have you know ideas of what masculinity is that make you think that like black men and are are more virile have bigger dicks or whatever and because of colorism you don't want a 
inverted commas black black man so you want a mixed race man there's all kinds of stuff yeah. that you know even with i guess on the flip side with the um the women the white women on love island who said they did prefer mixed race i found it odd as well when mm. um samira said that her type was blonde blue yeah. eyes that also got my back up because yeah. those things just it, it's just it was weird to me um because she's a black woman so i think with preferences it isn't us black women saying everybody must date black women or or ethnic minority women it's really not that it's everybody interrogating and and knowing that these preferences that we do have don't aren't formed like in isolation essentially mm. like when i was younger i used to find it really like i didn't understand why I would watch loads of different programs and loads of dating shows. Like you had like all those dating shows on Channel Four. Channel Four were great for them. Um, <laughs> was it was it Burning K? But yeah, um, and I don't understand why all the time all these men would come on the show and say that. And they, if you ask them, oh, blondes or brunettes, it was always blondes and brunettes. Mm. I didn't because I it was weird because I was quite young. So I was like, yeah, but they're black girls. I didn't understand why it was only blondes and brunettes. And then when oh, I got yeah, but didn't even really. Yeah, exactly. Didn't even care about yeah. Exactly. And then, like, I think when I was like, I guess, early in my early teens, I was trying to work out. And I was like, do I? Is it because I want to be, you know, objectified as well? Like, do I want black women to also be as part of that? Because they're not necessarily saying, oh, you're you're smart. They're looking mm -hmm. at them. So, what I'm saying is essentially like all of these. It's very complicated. Yeah, you get what you're saying. Yeah. Mm. So. It's not even about wanting to be objectified, though, is it? It's about wanting to be seen as somebody that can be part of the dating pool yeah you don't want to be invisible yeah, yeah. And, and that's how like, i felt yeah and when you when all you do have as women we are so held to what we look like that of we yeah. i think we'd rather like as you said it's not about people saying oh we're smart we'd rather that but in a world which tells you that your value literally is just about how you look it's like you end up i remember i read this post where this woman was saying that like she it was really sad like she was talking about how she used to feel jealous that people got cat called and it's like mate like being catcalled is the world like you hate it you it's absolutely like, older hate women it women have said that to me as well and that's so like I've complained about getting catcalled and they're like oh you know enjoy it while you still get yeah. it <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> no thanks uh, yeah and like in certain environments like you know just getting like you know treated in a particular way and like objectified which just feels so like you like you hate it but then you hear these i saw this woman who was like overweight and she was talking about it on twitter and she was saying that like she, she's really conflicted because because that's where women's value lies. Like whether we admit yeah. it or not, whether we agree with it or not, that's where society tells us our value lies. So yeah, she sucks. would genuinely feel sad about it. And yeah. I was like, God, man, that's fucking bleak. Like, do you know what I mean? And I guess like, I hear what Elizabeth's saying. Like you, you don't, it's not, you know, you want to be like, oh, I want black girls. It's like, like I used to say the same thing about rap videos that like when they started phasing out black women, I was like, wow, like I'm happy because now black women aren't being objectified, but it's not, they haven't been phased out because people have decided they want to respect black women. It's because they've decided they don't want to objectify them anymore because they're not the most attractive. So it's mm, like, yeah. we can now afford to objectify white women and ethnically ambiguous women. And I was like, if there's a world that means that like, you know, you get kind of weirdly offended that like, you're not being objectified. It just shows how much it's letting down that demographic and making them feel like they're not part of like, you know, the dating pool. Yeah, they're not seen as yeah. desirable, full Exactly, desirable is the word, exactly. Yeah, it's fascinating. And I think it's I think a lot of people, you know, who maybe haven't read your book yet or haven't, you know, read much into this. I think a lot of people will be really really like fascinated to hear everything you guys have just said. Do you think like I know we need to wrap up, but do you think 
progress is being made, are things getting better or not? Um, I'm still single, so <laughs> probably not. Um, so we're all, yeah, all four of us, I'm literally like, so oh, do you wow. think things are getting there better? You go, that's your answer. I think, do you know what? I think the dating pool is genuinely so rubbish. But one of the things I do, and for everybody, but one of the things I do always say to my black female friends um, is like, I guess, broaden your horizons more because I think that's where we we struggle more than I guess other um, other eth- other ethnic groups. Um, so I encourage um, just. I encourage my friends to, who don't date op- um, different races. I me, think me and Yomi were very much open. We've always been like that since we were quite yeah. since we were quite young. I think my I think my first kiss was a white boy. Um, <laughs> it really was. Um, so I didn't. So I think in terms of getting better, I think it's hard to even say mm. from a kind of like yeah. big macro way. I think individually, or like I can. I think some of my friends are becoming a bit more open because they realise that like the ideals of like just dating. I think that when they read the stats and it's kind of kind of in there and it says oh black men are more likely to xyz and colorism and all these things mm-hmm. then when you it's almost like all of these things are stacked up against you but I don't like to kind of put it like that I just kind of want to encourage them to kind of like date different types of people and give people a chance for who they are the same way I want black men and white men to give black women a chance yeah. for who we are not necessarily just like a kind of thing that you date a uh, person you date for a little while just a kind of like on your way to marrying who you want to marry yeah. who will probably be white or, or whatever so that's my kind of like response on I think that. that's great advice and I think because it's really interesting because I like earlier this year I was dating an Indian guy and um, all my friends were like oh I've never dated an Indian boy like does he have a really small willy oh and my I was God. like wow wow I, I can't I couldn't believe it when one of my friends asked me that um Put her the matter. He did not. Um, <laughs> <laughs> <but> <laughs> so it's just like she didn't mean it in a malicious way or anything. But so blinded. Yeah, like. I was. I think you know when she's uh, after the words came out of her mouth. I think she was a bit like, did I what did I? But you know, it just it was that was the original like thing that came to her head, and I was like, and that's the thing. Like you found out by dating him and like you're in for a very pleasant surprise so it's very much like (laughs) (laughs) but yeah I think like yeah people can be like massively you know ignorant it doesn't always necessarily come out of like maliciousness and and it it only becomes malicious when you're like sitting in that ignorance knowing your ignorance and being happy in it and people reveling in it exactly reveling it like a pig in shit and it's like okay (laughs) that was wrong what you just said if she'd have just gone oh well is it Mm, that's me throws up her hands and it's like whatever but then i think that's why we me and elizabeth like to try and have these conversations they're not always easy to have they can be very demoralizing and they can be very like Mm -hmm. kind of like and you like we don't try to sugarcoat it but it's just important to be had because i think it makes people take a step back and look at themselves a lot and be like like you know what what who are they like kind of excluding from a dating pool and why and as i said like because i don't i honestly cannot say that like my dating preferences after writing this book has like changed in any way like elizabeth i'm still like oh i want like a tall nigerian man but (laughs) but it means that like i'm a more like aware of myself and like prejudices i've had and b just less likely to cut my nose off to like spite my face by being like, I'm not going to date this person because I've never dated this kind of person before, if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, but, but trying to do what I think is so brilliant is that 
we're all having these discussions. Yeah. You know, you've written the book, which has got a lot more people talking, and I think that's amazing. So thank you. Well done to you guys. Thanks, guys. I mean, we could literally ask you questions for hours, but we really have to wrap up, sadly. (laughs) Um, So we won't do a dating dilemma today. Oh, I really Um, want to do a dating dilemma. Do you but want to squeeze one in? Or should we, should we gotta, squeeze a quick one? I think we can do it. Yeah, a quick one, okay, yeah. We're squeezing a quick dating dilemma. Um, thank you for sending this one in, and here's how it goes. Hi, as a young listener of your podcast, I was wondering if you may be able to touch on this in a podcast episode. I'm nearly 16 and have been going to an all-girls school my whole life. This has resulted in me not being able to communicate well with boys as I immediately get flustered, even if I don't like them. It's so frustrating as I just want to be able to talk to guys as I would with girls. And for someone who was quite shy, I was again just wondering if you had any advice. Oh, oh I know, I love this. Oh my god. Oh, I, I find this like relatable to be honest. I went oh, to an all girls school. school. That's Did what I was like, yeah. yeah. Okay, then we I was going to say, what do you think? Oh, see, I. So I went to a girls' school for like five years and then I went to a college that was mixed and I had this exact problem. I think I fancied everyone. <laughs> I fancied everybody like that was in my class because they were just boys. Yeah, I and I found it hard and I found it weird when they fancied me back because I was like, well, I'm, you're, I fancy you. I'm a girl. I'm a girl, <laughs> exactly. So how did I... Oh, you know what? I think as I just buried my head in the books. It, this is not good advice. Because <laughs> I honestly was just like... In ter- oh, I don't know how to give advice because m- I just, oh, I'm like, gotta cut all of this out. But <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I just started becoming, rather than seeing guys as like people that I had to fancy and not and just fancy because I wasn't sure why I fancied them. They were just boys. I I think a lot more just had conversations with them because I didn't necessarily have a lot of male cousins, so I didn't necessarily I wasn't necessarily exposed to having normal conversations with guys that weren't crushes in primary school and and essentially secondary school from afar so I think I just saw them as friends and I think that helped me just have normal conversations and then I realized I didn't fancy 99% of you (laughs) because you guys are definitely weird um because boys are weird most of the time um exactly (laughs) so I think just being friends with them and just ask and then connecting with them on just like normal things and just being like oh what do you think of this on your weekend just being normal Mm -hmm. like I would be with my female friends that helped and then when i realized i did fancy someone because i found them hot and they i find yeah found their personality quite nice um i sent them a rose and that didn't work out so oh. um <laughs> so on valentine's day it, i honestly did it was like oh d- don't do that bit listen don't, do that bit. don't do that bit. but um <laughs> but i think my biggest advice is just treat them as you treat your female friends just they're not they're not big scary they're not scary yeah. that's mm, what i would I say actually find this terribly relatable because i remember through school and especially they've always been more of a girl's girl i've always had more girlfriends than boyfriends and i i always like at school and i was very much like i don't know how to talk to boys even though i didn't go to a girl's school i still just wasn't very good at talking to boys and um i i was like i don't know how to flirt and to and i still feel a bit like I'm not that great at talking to boys, but I will say that I've got better. Like, as I've just got older, I mean, granted, I'm 26 next month. It's taken a while, but, and I'm still only good at it when I've had drinks. Um, Jokes, (laughs) don't drink alcohol. Um, But I would say that if you're anything like me, you'll just get more confident. And the more you talk to boys, the less scary they'll seem. And then they'll just be like, oh, these are actually just humans and probably morons. Yeah, it's tricky because you kind of have to push back on the narrative that we're always fed that men and women can't be friends. And this this girl True. saying that 
is proof that that is ingrained in you from mm. such a young age because it's not even crossed her mind the fact that you know she could just befriend well, she said that was even me. if i don't like them she gets flustered mm. yeah yeah because you're sort of you're sort of conditioned to view you know as a as a straight woman from any age you're conditioned yeah. to view any as men potential as, partners. as a potential <laughs> yeah. partner exactly so of Absolute course you're going to be terrified i'm quite literally yeah. like best friends with like the ex-boyfriend that I had that kept me off Tinder for two and a half years. So I'm like, so if you're listening, really? girl, yeah. And I'm like, so I completely know that like the whole boys and girls can't be friends is bollocks. Cause I'm like, I'm like literally best mates with who I lost my virginity to. So, <laughs> so oh, I'm that's like, amazing. <laughs> it's very bizarre, but it's, but then I guess it's not because I look at it more as like, if I spent that long with somebody and he, like, he's literally in the acknowledgements of the book like because we're very close and it's very much a thing of like if I spent that long with somebody and I just hate the narrative the idea that like he didn't do anything wrong to me I didn't do anything wrong to him but because we've seen each other naked that it's like we can never speak again and I'm like we were very big parts of each other's lives and the beginning of the relationship was based on friendship anyway we were friends first weirdly nice. kind of and then <laughs> we went out and then we broke up but there was no malice and I've always seen it very str I've always seen it as a weird thing I'm friends with to be honest most of my exes like I'd say like three out of four. Mm. And it's very much a thing where I'm kind of like, I don't really prescribe to the idea of like, just because you've been with somebody, unless they've cheated on you or hurt you in some significant which way. Which relationships Yeah, which exactly, be, I think the that's problem. the thing Most is that breakups. so many people break up like yeah. maliciously, but honestly, as Elizabeth can attest, like, I, most of my breakups have been, even if they've been messy at the start, like they've always been fine at the end. So I'm like, wow, I spent this long with this person. I cared about them. To me, it's honestly, we'll look back in like maybe a few years' time in life and go, don't think it's strange that like you kind of cut this person out of your life, not necessarily because they've done something wrong, but because you're not with them anymore. I'm, I'm just kind of like, we've had like partners since, and I don't know. I'm just kind of like, I, we, we don't love each other. So I'm just like, why can't we just be mates? And yeah, we have, we are, and it's like completely fine. So I'm like, Boys and girls can be friends, exes can be friends, everybody can be friends, it all works out. <laughs> a nice note to end on. <laughs> um, guys, thank you so much for coming in. Oh, thank no worries you. for us. so, so, so fabulous. Um, where can everyone find you guys? Like online or anywhere else for that matter? I mean, don't like give out your address. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, at Selenia Lane across all social media platforms. Um, and yeah, up to date news, everything via Amazing. those forms. Amazing. And the book's out now. Yeah. Yeah. Two awesome. months. All Almost two months. Stores. Wicked. Yeah. And it's I'm a not... beautiful cover as well. I have it in my Thank hands you. right now. Thank you. Hot pink. Mm. I, I mean, I'm living for this. It looks so good on my bookshelf. It was shelf, very intentional. Thank you. Important. Um, Thank you so much for listening, everyone. We hope you've enjoyed this episode. As always, we would love to know your thoughts. And please, please, please do rate, review, subscribe, tell your friends, tell your colleagues, tell everyone if you enjoyed it. And um, yeah, also tell us if you like. Yes, please do. And please keep sending us your stories. You can DM them to us on Instagram at millennial underscore love, or you can email them to us at millennial.love at independent.co.uk. And every story will be kept anonymous. And we have a Facebook group, which is facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash millennial.love. Yes, I think, I think it's millennial.love. <laughs> um, we're so out of time. Thanks again so much for joining us. Thanks, thanks, guys. Have a Thank good you. week, everyone. Bye. 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 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.